Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Live Label Free Podcast. Today we are diving into a topic that is all too common among neurodivergent individuals in eating disorder recovery and that is black and white thinking. Although I've worked on my own mindset so much over the past couple of years that I've really improved when it comes to thinking in extremes, it was not all too long ago that this polarized thinking held me back from living a full life. In fact, I believe black and white thinking is one of the main reasons it is so hard to recover from an eating disorder and that's what I'll be sharing in this episode today. I'll also be sharing why autistic individuals are more prone to black and white thinking, which is yet another way in which autism and eating disorders are linked. Of course, I'll also be sharing strategies that you can implement to not live life in the gray because gray is boring and dull, but to live life in full color. And speaking of living life in full color, that may just be the subtitle of my upcoming book. Hint, hint, cough, cough. <clears throat> Anyways, I'm excited to get into today's episode, so keep on listening if you are too. Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. You want to recover from your eating disorder, but going all in feels like too big a leap. You want to eat some cookies, but you are afraid that you'll just end up binging if you as much as open the box. You want to have a healthy relationship with exercise, yet you can't help but feel that movement only quote-unquote counts unless you're panting and sweating profusely. Does this sound familiar? Black and white thinking is really easy to fall into, especially in our world of diet culture that thrives off of labels from good and bad to success and failure. So why are autistic people, especially those who go on to develop eating disorder behaviors, prone to these rigid thinking styles? To answer that, I want to take a step back and reflect on my own experience with black and white thinking. Growing up, I was as perfectionistic as the meaning of the word perfectionistic goes. I approached everything with an all-or-nothing mindset, only committing to sports or games if I knew I could win, and believing I was only a good student if I got straight A's. If I made as much as one mistake on a test I had studied the material for inside and out, I'd immediately say that I was a failure and completely overlook all the answers I did get right. I was a huge people pleaser, never wanting to rock the boat out of fear that one disagreement or argument would lead to the other person to hate me. If you're nodding your head and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so me, you seriously need to get on the wait list for my book. It's a memoir written in the style of a novel in which I truly hold nothing back. I share my story in a way that is more raw, more vulnerable, and more unfiltered than I have 
ever shared before, uncovering parts of my life that have always been my own secret. I talk about what it was like growing up as an undiagnosed autistic girl and how my eating disorder developed because of that. I also talk about how I manipulated the treatment system for years and what was necessary for me to recover as an autistic person and really just every step of the journey that's gotten me to where I am today, which is live label free. Duh! To be the very first to receive updates and get exclusive access to pre-launch bonuses and gifts, simply head over to livelabelfree.com slash book. So that's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash book. I cannot wait for you to read it. And in the meantime, let's keep talking about black and white thinking. So I've talked on this podcast before about the importance of purpose and more specifically becoming aware of why we do things because only once we become aware of a certain behavior and only once we become aware of what purpose it's solving can we decide whether we want to continue engaging in that behavior or tread an alternative path I mean, think about it. You can't fix a leaking sink if you don't even know it's leaking in the first place. When it comes to the purpose of black and white thinking, the purpose is that it provides a false sense of certainty and control, aka what autistic people are constantly trying to find so we can better navigate a world that simply was not built for us. It's often believed that autistic people are super rigid and inflexible, but I actually believe that the opposite is true. Autistic people tend to be very open to new opportunities and actually love novelty, but because we become so easily overwhelmed by the abundance of options and then fall into analysis paralysis because we can't choose one, it's so much easier to just have one single routine in place. This gives us something to rely on, which is what we need most in a world that's just so dang unreliable. I also believe this is a main contributing factor for autistic people in developing eating disorders. Following the rules of an eating disorder, which pretty much comes down to black and white thinking, simplifies life into deceptively neat little boxes where things become either all good or all bad. As long as you follow the all good rules, you feel safe from whatever it is you feel threatened by, whether that's bad health, being shamed for your appearance and or health status, failing to meet certain standards in school or in the workplace, the list goes on. The problem is, society's rules, which are heavily influenced by diet culture for what's good, healthy, attractive, impressive, the list goes on again, These rules, they keep changing, which circles back to a core autistic trait being difficulty with change. As I'm speaking these words, I'm once again reminded about how flabbergasted I am about the lack of recognition and understanding when it comes to the link between autism and eating disorders. Now that I've made it my life's mission to bridge the gap, break the stigmas, and ultimately help autistic individuals live the free and fulfilled lives they deserve, it's truly insane how you start to see the connection between autism and eating disorders everywhere you look. So much so that I'm like, how is basically every single health professional missing this? Anyways, this is yet another one of those times that I'm like, 
Livia, you can only control what you can control and must accept what you cannot. And what I can control is providing you with my best value. So speaking of value, let's talk about how you can break out of black and white thinking and why it may feel particularly difficult for autistic individuals. Psychologists use the term coherence to describe a more holistic type of cognition, which is the opposite of black and white thinking. Coherence is the tendency to integrate information in context. So, for example, you don't do great on the science test, but instead of telling yourself you're a failure who doesn't know anything, you can see the event as part of a larger whole. You didn't get enough sleep the night before. You were distracted by other commitments, or maybe science just isn't your thing, which says nothing about your ability to excel in other areas. This has applications to diet culture as well. Integrating information in context can feel like an impossible task when confronted with all of diet culture's dizzying and contradictory mandates from lifestyle diet labels such as vegan to paleo and carnivore, but also product and food labels from low-carb, high-fat, low-fat, high-carb, no-carb, high-protein, no-carb, no-sugar, (laughs) no-XYZ. The wheel keeps turning. If you are autistic, difficulty with coherence will most likely resonate more deeply, and there's a reason for that. Studies have linked autism with weak central coherence or the inability to experience holes without paying full attention to individual parts. This could be reframed as a proclivity for detail, which is one amazing autistic trait. Yet it can also be our Achilles heel because hypersensitivity to detail can make us especially vulnerable to black and white thinking. There is, of course, a lot of heterogeneity and nuance here. Not every autistic individual will necessarily struggle with this. But if you do, there is a lot of interesting research to explain why. Let's take a moment to talk about snacks. If you are listening to this, chances are you struggle with reliable hunger cues. And you are not alone. Neurodivergent individuals, as well as those who struggle with anxiety or disordered eating, tend to lack interoceptive awareness, which is responsible for sending us bodily cues, including whether we're hungry, thirsty, or in pain. As a neurodivergent individual myself, I know firsthand what it feels like to be so out of touch with your body that come nighttime, you realize you are so hungry and just want to binge on the entire kitchen. But I can assure you that even though you may currently feel stuck in a toxic cycle of confusion, it is possible to learn to nourish your body and neurodivergent brain in a way that fits your unique lifestyle. An essential part of doing so is by incorporating nutritious snacks and that's why I am so excited to tell you about Midi Bites. Midi Bites is a women-owned business that creates refrigerated cookie bites for adults and kids alike. 
Founded by a holistic nutritionist and kids nutrition specialist, the woman behind Midi Bites was on a mission to create a snack made from only the highest quality whole food ingredients and has succeeded in doing so with her products that are all organic, vegan, gluten-free, soy-free, and completely free of preservatives or any other junk that's in most bars or snacks these days. The chocolate cookie bites and the entire line of kids cookie bites are also 100% nut-free, so these conveniently packed bites are truly a snack or dessert the entire family can enjoy. To snag your bites and get a whopping 20% off your order, simply head over to midibites.co and enter my code LIVE20 at checkout. So that's M-I-D-I-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O and my code LIVE20, L-I-V-2-0 gets you 20% off your entire order. Be sure to tell me your favorite flavor and now let's get back to today's episode. One major difference that's been found between autistic and neurotypical people is the extent to which perception of the quote-unquote global order interferes with the perception of quote-unquote local order. Now, before you put your hands in the air in confusion, stick with me here. Local order is the very concept you may have already observed in yourself. The details feel so important, so all-consuming, that it's hard to see past them to the larger whole or global order. My teacher didn't call on me in class today, so she must secretly hate me. Or, my friend skipped lunch today, that must mean they secretly have an eating disorder too. The context of the situation, that your teacher was distracted, or that your friend may have just been busy and made up for lunch later in the day, that context gets lost. So how did researchers figure out that autistic people perceive details differently? There have been a lot of studies investigating this phenomenon, but one example is face perception. When we look at someone's face, two things are happening at once. We are perceiving the person's individual features, their eyes, nose, and mouth, for example, but we are also perceiving the face as a single integrated whole. In one particular experiment, participants were asked to identify faces right side up and upside down. For neurotypical participants, recognition accuracy dropped significantly when the faces were upside down. Why? Because normally, global order, or the way the face as a whole looks different than when it's flipped, interferes with local order, the distinct look of each facial feature. In the autistic participants, however, accuracy did not drop. This means that they were paying more attention to local features. For them, the fact that the gestalt, or the organized whole, looked different upside down did not actually slow their processing time because they weren't thinking in terms of gestalt. They were thinking in terms of the details. If you're wondering why this is a problem, it isn't. Like I said, attention to detail is an incredible autistic trait, and in the case of this study, attention to detail worked in the participants' favor. To label any thinking style as university problematic would just be another kind of black and white thinking, and you know I'm all about living label-free. The more important question is, 
when does fixation on detail and or neglecting the large to whole create unnecessary pain? In the case of eating disorders, a good example might be the tendency to obsess over the ingredients or the quote-unquote health attributes of a particular food instead of evaluating it in the context of your desires, your tastes, and how the food makes you feel. When it comes to recovery, people often choose to stay stuck in the misery of life with an eating disorder because the idea of changing all your food rituals and routines feels too overwhelming. But this is where I want to remind you, and this is at the very core of the work I do with my clients in one-on-one coaching, being fully recovered isn't the result of one day waking up and declaring yourself recovered. It's the result of taking small, consistent action steps over time. Being fully recovered is the result of both physical health restoration and creating new neural networks in your brain. And the only way to create these new neural networks in your brain is to consistently give your brain a reason to create those new neural networks. Just as your eating disorder behaviors didn't ingrain themselves in one day, recovery-oriented habits cannot ingrain themselves in one day. You've got to keep showing up, keep doing the work, and over time, positive change is a natural byproduct. If you want to work with someone who truly understands what it means to do the work, who truly understands how difficult recovery can feel, and whose life's mission it is to guide you to full recovery while embracing your neurodiversity, I want to invite you to book a coaching session with me. Yep, that's right. After several requests for single sessions, I now offer just that. Of course, you can book however many sessions you may need and you always have the option to pair it with my Extreme Hunger course or 24-7 chat support, but to get to the point, know that you are not alone and I am always here for you. I've gone through the recovery process as an autistic individual and have made it my life's mission to help you do the same. To schedule your session, simply head over to livelabelfree.com forward slash schedule so that's live label free like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash schedule we'll talk about what's keeping you stuck and map out the exact next steps you need to take to start living the life you deserve to live i hope to chat with you soon but for now let's get back to today's episode I believe the worst thing about living a life that's ruled by labels is that it creates a feedback loop. You follow the rules and adhere to the labels, you get a short-term reward, and that reward reinforces the belief that you have to keep following the same rules or everything will become chaotic and messy. You might be thinking, no, actually, I'd be fine with just one success. If I can just reach X weight, I'll give myself a break. But studies have actually shown that perfectionists tend to strive for even more difficult goals after a quote-unquote success, because weight loss is not a success. This helps explain why when you do reach that quote-unquote goal weight or quote-unquote succeed at eating a certain number of calories one day, you will set a new goal and push yourself even further the next, often to a point that is truly beyond your limits. It's the reason anorexia is such a fatal illness, because the quote-unquote success that the illness makes you believe you'll achieve is never successful enough. 
So what if you know you're prone to black and white thinking and you want to stop, but you don't know how? Psychologists have done extensive research on this and there are many strategies that have proven to actually be effective. Again, it may take several different approaches before you land on something that works for you and your unique lifestyle. I mean, that's why I do offer 100% individualized coaching, but that's what life is for. Discovering what works for you may take a lifetime, but luckily, a lifetime is exactly how long we've all got. One of my favorite strategies is to identify and challenge the black and white thoughts. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, this starts with becoming aware because we cannot challenge something we are not even aware of. So, for example, your friend seems upset and you instantly assume it's your fault and you think they hate you. If you've ever taken a psychology class, you might be familiar with the term cognitive distortions. Aaron Beck, one of the founders of cognitive therapy, found through his practice that there are several types of common distorted thoughts that underlie a lot of different mental health disorders. The one I described above would be an example of personalization, assuming personal responsibility for every bad thing that happens, maybe in someone else's life. Other examples are catastrophizing, so expecting the worst to happen, mental filtering, which is ignoring positive events or focusing exclusively on negative events. So remember that example about the test that I took and I would make one mistake and I would overlook all the right answers and just say, I made this one mistake, I have failed, I'm not good at math or science or whatever it was. Um, And then the Other example is um, mind reading, so presuming that others are thinking certain things of you, and usually this is being critical of you. All or nothing thinking is on the list as well. If you're thinking that there seems to be a lot of overlap between these terms, you're right. They are all inflexible and fatalistic by nature. So this week, I invite you to pay extra close attention to these cognitive distortions and try to catch yourself when your brain is going into that all-or-nothing mode. In the case of the friend example, you can practice shifting your mindset from it's all my fault to I don't know what's going on in my friend's life, so it's most likely that my friend is upset about something that has nothing to do with me. Not only will this conscious practice allow you to rewire your brain towards more fluid and nuanced thinking, but it will also lift so much weight off your shoulders. Once I stopped basing my own self-worth off what I thought others thought of me, I gained so much space in my life to focus on what really matters. And one of those things is what I'm sitting here doing right now, and that is bridging the gap between autism and eating disorders and supporting autistic individuals and their loved ones to live a life that is truly worth living. If you appreciate my work, it would truly mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star rating and write a positive review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you are listening or watching because, I mean, creating free, valuable content is something I love to do and your support allows me to keep doing it. And if you actually want to support me even more, I finally have a Patreon page where you can donate a monthly amount for whatever you feel my work is worth to you and you're not like tied to it. You can donate one month and then skip the next month and stop and then donate again. I mean, whatever you feel my content is worthy of to you, 
any donation amount supports this show as well as the publishing of my book and all of my future content. You can donate by visiting the link livelabelfree.com forward slash Patreon. So that's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I am so grateful for your generosity and your love and your support. And with all that said, thank you so much for sticking around and I'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye now. Bye.